Will the Jets actually trade for Aaron Rodgers on draft night? Or will a third mystery team, cough, cough, Titans, uh, sneak in and, and try to upset the deal on the New York Jets and the Green Bay Packers? What's up, Jets fans? Welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Glenn Naughton. It's been a couple weeks since we've been back. I, I wasn't able to do a show last week, but Glenn did a great job filling in with Emery Hunt. Also, his show, Chris Schubert. If you haven't checked those out already, please check them out. Glenn, how are we doing tonight? Man, I'm ready. You know, I've, I've spent so much time watching these prospects and reading about them. I haven't really had a moment to get excited about the draft. It's almost, uh, but for whatever reason, I don't know what it was. I was just thinking about it the other day, kind of driving home from something. And it was the first time I was like, oh, draft's coming. You know, feeling good about it, feeling excited. Um, even though look, my goal this year was to have a good idea, you know, to have um, some highlights pulled from every single player who gets drafted. Um, that's not going to happen because there's some small school guys who I just can't find film on. Right. Um, and there's just that there's there's a handful of guys that uh, I, I have to I have to streamline my process and stop trying to, you know, I'm, I'm like the. Uh, I'm watching one guy, but a, an underclassman makes a couple of great plays, and I'm like, "Oh, now I gotta, now I gotta make notes on this guy, and and because he's gonna be a prospect, you know, next year or the year after." So I probably have, you know, film and clips on on five, six hundred players, um, but five or six hundred guys aren't getting drafted. So I gotta next year, I gotta limit it to those the seniors and juniors, and and wait on the uh, the underclassmen. But I'm excited. I'm I'm happy. Yeah, I, I think it's funny because. As the outsiders, we have to look at the entire umbrella of the draft class, all four, five, six hundred, if you're Emory Hunt, 1,100 players, you know, and you have to just know about everybody. But I heard on Move the Sticks podcast that most team boards are like 125 to 150 players deep. And I'm like, yeah, well, shit, that'd make it so much easier if we just knew at least like a ballpark of who <laughs> they're looking at. You know what I mean? So like make it easier for us, but yeah, we have to just, and we're, Cause you every, know, you and I, every team's going to have different disqualifiers. Every team's yep. going to one, one team might see a thing where they yep. come off your board and another team like, no, we're fine with that. So you just don't know. And uh, that's, that's one of those things that it's, you know, obviously that'd be great information to have, but instead of that, we gotta, we gotta try to watch, you know, 500 guys. Yeah, exactly. And last year, you know, if you were somebody that did study 500 guys for the Jets, they made all seven of their picks by 117, and then they called it a day. U- UDFAs the next couple of days, and that's it. We're, we're good to go. So yep. it's kind of funny how the entire draft process plays out, and this one's been a lot harder. We just talked about it off air. They have so many – they have three top 50 picks. And then, you know, it's kind of like here and there, 112, 143, 207, long waits in between. So mm-hmm. I feel like either we're going to end up – with a bunch of really good players at the top and then waiting for a lot of like kind of middle tier players at the end, or Joe Douglas might end up calling it a day after that one twelve pick and whether he trades up or down or however he figures. And uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. So Mm -hmm. uh, just with that, we can get into the topics. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers and the actual validity of a draft trade uh, draft night trade, excuse me. Some reports are whispering about a Friday morning afternoon trade in the works that, the NFL has told the Jets and the Packers to, to hold off on, and I think that's just silly. I'll, I'll let you take your opinion in a second, but from my perspective, that just sounds so stupid. In Joe Douglas's mind, in Brian Gutenkun's mind, what do they have waiting till the draft? It makes no sense. Get it done now. Both parties can move on. 
it's like dragging out a divorce that everybody knows is coming. Like it's just going to get messier and messier. And it just leaves time for boneheaded, you know, non-credentialed journalists to come out and say things like the Tennessee Titans are going to swoop in and, and make a call about Aaron Rodgers and try to get, uh, you know, the Packers to budge because the Jets won't on whatever their trade demands are. So from my perspective, I think it's bogus. If a trade happens on draft night, I truly think that it's because deadline spur actions, the Packers and Jets have reportedly not really been talking much the past couple of weeks since the owners meeting and before the owners meeting. So it seems silly to me that this is all hush, hush, wait till the draft. I really think if something gets hammered out, it'll get hammered out. And usually deadlines for action. So I think that's what the case is. And if it happens, I still won't believe that it was orchestrated and played out that way. So so what are your thoughts about this NFL trying to tell the Jets and Packers to hold on a little bit? And then you can go off a, a little bit about the Titans and we don't have to spend a ton of time on that. Yeah, that, that the, the Titans thing isn't even it was like that was like a some guy with a Twitter account. I don't I don't think he even has a I don't know if you I don't know if the guy has a job. Um, right. and I don't say that to be disparaging. I literally have no idea who the person is. <clears throat> yeah. um, so that put that to bed. Um, the the um, what was the other thing you said? Just like the Rogers draft trade, and then oh, I, had, I, had, I, had, I, had, I had a brain for it there. You're good. Um, listen, um, I I addressed it. I I think I said um, when all this started, you know, when when once Rogers went on uh, Pat McAfee, and it wasn't happening right away. I said that. I was like, okay, this could be the league saying, hey, slow down. Let's keep this, keep the NFL in the news for a little bit, which for a week, week and a half, fine, I could understand. Yeah. Um, but once it gets to two, three plus weeks, it's like, look, how long do you expect two teams, especially, you know, because we're hearing, I say we're hearing, you know, it was uh, Connor Hughes, you know, tweeted out when all this started. Once the Jets get Rodgers, um, then that's when the things, Jets offseason is going to get rolling. That's going to be the first of many moves. Yeah. Um, so the 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 assumption here is that the Jets are going to get Rodgers, and then once his contract is on the books, do what they have to do to move money around and free up cap space. Um, but they obviously can't do that until the trade's official. So I'm looking at that, going, the Jets aren't going to just like pause their offseason for two months, right? To to accommodate Aaron Rodgers <clears throat> or to accommodate the league. Um, but I was listening, and I did a brief article on it. Um, it was just it was an off the cuff comment, but um. Former NFL GM Rick Spielman, um, he's got a pod now, a draft pod. Um, had to find a new one. The draft dudes don't, you know, they left and they, like, I still, you know, I, Chris Schubert's TDN Daily I listen to, um, yeah. and he does our show Friday. But um, as far as, like, a draft pod, that was my draft pod where they went through prospect after prospect. They don't do that anymore. So I, you know, went shopping around, and and I found uh, a couple, and uh, he does one of them. Mm-hmm. And he said uh, – they they were kind of they had done a mock and they were going through it and they got to the Jets picks and the co-host kind of said, oh this when's this Aaron Rodgers Jets thing gonna happen? And Spielman just kind of laughed and he was like, or I think he said, what's holding it up? And Spielman just laughed and he was like, <laughs> draft day splash. This is exactly what Philadelphia did a couple years ago. Draft day splash. And that, I mean he's a former GM, so I'm sure he's been in situations where he's been involved in big trades and who knows how much – I mean, we know the, the league's goal. You look at the league calendar. It's laid out in a way to keep the NFL in the news at Certainly. all times. Yes, yeah. So it would make sense from that perspective. But for the Jets to say, yeah, that's cool, we'll just sit tight for six weeks and not sign anyone. And However, there's also you know those who say that there is money right now that could be moved around if the Jets had to. So they're yeah. just not doing it. So for whatever reason – 
Um, the thing is, and, and here's here's my I hate. I don't even want to say conspiracy theory. Um, I, I, you know, we obviously spend a lot of time thinking about this. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, other than without a deal being worked out, if there's no deal in place officially, Joe Douglas, even if, you know, if we if we guess and say maybe he had a drink or two with Boomer, maybe he didn't. Whatever, whatever the reason, Joe D isn't the type of guy to get up on a stage and say, this guy's coming here right. unless he knows he's coming here. But reports are saying the deal isn't done. So how do you say this guy's coming here? Like, because it could go, it could go sideways, and you don't get him. So part of me wonders if there were any assurances, even though you know there's nothing in writing. But I wonder if there were any assurances when the Jets spoke with Aaron Rodgers, if he said, "Look, I don't want to play in Green Bay," because the, the people keep saying, "Oh, Aaron Rodgers said he only wants to play with the Jets." He didn't say that. He said, "I'm planning on playing next year, and I'm planning on playing for the Jets." Right. He didn't say I wouldn't consider any other team. But is that the case? Like, have 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 the Jets and Rodgers spoken and say, look, man, we are so bent on getting you that we're going to let every other quarterback that's available go by the wayside. But we need a promise from you that you're not going to go say, fine, trade me anywhere. And, you know, as we've said, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a no trade clause, but he's got that $60 million paycheck coming that he could then retire the following day. So if a team like the 49ers – um, you know, if they want to trade for him and he doesn't want to go there, all he has to, and you know, Green Bay can say, well, we're moving you to San Fran. And I'll say, great. I'll just tell my agent to let them know that the day after they cut me that check for 58 point, whatever million, I'm walking away from the game. So then they're not going to trade for him. No. So in effect, in effect, he can stop a trade from happening. Yep. So obviously I, I don't know, but I'm like, if for Joe Douglas to make that statement, he's coming here, he's got to know something. Otherwise it was kind of dumb to say, um, and and is that something a wink wink agreement where look we we are you know handshake agreement we will not pursue any other quarterback you're our guy but we need to know from you that you you're that close you you have that much respect for Nathaniel Hackett that you only want to play for him next year and if he says yeah don't yeah don't worry about it I'm not going anywhere else it's you guys or nobody then the Jets can say fine we can ignore everybody else we can not make offers we can not get involved and we can just let this thing go up until training camp you know and as as we've said Favre got in much later and he did absolutely fine he didn't know the offense already Aaron Rodgers knows this offense already better than anyone else in the building so there's not going to be a learning curve <clears throat> so I, I don't know I wonder I wonder if there's a, a, a wink and a nod look we're not going to pursue anybody else but we got to know that you're not going to play for anybody else yeah absolutely I'm coming there yeah and, and I think the meeting that took place at his house in Malibu there were things said that will never go public and probably never get leaked out of that building. And, and there's a lot of speculation going on around it and what was said to the Jets by Aaron Rodgers because that has a lot to do with everything that's baked into it. And there was even a rumor saying that, you know, could Aaron Rodgers have said, don't even give up a 2024 first-round pick for me because I'm going to come back and play a second year and it's not worth giving up that first round pick in the second year. Like, so like, there's so many far fetched, like, um, like I don't want to use conspiracy theories either, but that's kind of what we're clutching at. It's like, we're kind of putting together these hypotheticals of what could happen. And I don't know. I just, if but that happens, makes sense. I mean, exactly. if Aaron Rodgers knows, even if he doesn't know if he's going to be back next year, um, if he knows there's a chance he might be, 
Again, that would be another thing. That would be part of that. Like, look, Rick yes, Buster I'm going to play for you guys. Yeah. And by the way, don't go giving up. A, a, here, here's my obvious, my, very obviously, but my dream scenario, and, and the only thing that gives me some hope that it's true, is how tight-lipped the Jets have been. Yes. I hope everybody's wrong about the Jets are going to give up. There's, and I hope the Jets give up a couple of fours. Yeah, one twelve. Yep. Because what – listen, I, I I keep saying it. The Packers would be on the hook – for a hundred million dollars yep. to get one year of Aaron Rodgers if they don't trade him, and and they would not get a look at Jordan Love, and they would have to pay him to keep him around, yep. pick up his fifth year option without knowing if he can play or not. Yep, I believe. So that, that, that's, like that's another twenty million for him. You're talking a hundred and twenty million dollars for one year of Aaron Rodgers, who you don't want there and doesn't want to be there. Exactly. That's not going to get heated. <laughs> and I say all the time, like when, when owners eat money, I'm like, look, these guys are billionaires. They don't care about – what do they care about 20, 25, 30 million? Sure. This is 100. Like it's not 100 today, but it's 100 by the time Aaron Rodgers walks away after the Super Bowl next year. Like right. that's the way it's – he's got to get 60 million by the start of this season. They got to cut him a check for 60, like 58-something. And then he gets another 40 five days after the Super Bowl next this year. So he can just – he may not even play this year. He go, oh, my hamstring hurts again. Oh, I got to sit down, you know. Yeah. And then you pay him a hundred million to get nothing, and then he walks away. A hundred million—that ain't ten, fifteen, twenty million. That's nine digits. That's that's a lot of money to think that yeah. an, a team will just give up, you know, for a guy who doesn't want to be there and who they don't want there. So they need to deal him. And that listen, for obvious reasons, I hope the reports are wrong. But that's there's still a part of me that's like I've said all along, you know, a three and a and a conditional next year should have got it done. And then when they traded the three, I was like, well, a two is too much. Right. Um, so is it is this gonna be a four? Because listen, I, I don't this at the end of the day, this is a one year rental, or at least you have to approach it that way. Right. And fine, if you want to say you get a one next year if he plays and we go to the Super Bowl, fine. But a, an unconditional one, which is what's being reported next year hell no not a chance so that's why you wait till draft day when you're on the clock and the packers are like hey man we get we're about to not get anything for this guy um i ugh, i just can't i i can't see a team paying a guy 100 million to not play i'll have to look this up in between um but i believe on draft day it opens up the next year's cycle of draft picks so we'd be able to trade 2023 2024 and 2025 picks today, but come draft time, I think you can open up 2026 uh, picks to be able to be traded as well. So I'm not sure if that even plays a factor into any of this right. as well, because we're talking about 2025 unprot- or protections and stuff like that. So who knows what the actual terms will be? But yeah, I agree. I hope everybody is wrong. Even Jets fans saying a two, a conditional and Corey Davis, I hope they're wrong because I hope it's 112 or something like that this year, because that would just just be phenomenal um i wanted to ask you and this can kind of segue into our next thing which is going to be taking a look at um some of the experts mock drafts does it help like does it ease your mind that they're using our picks that are supposed to go to green bay 42 43 namely does it help does it make you feel like more confident that those are going to be picks that the jets are going to take or do you think they're just too scared to actually project an Aaron Rodgers trade and they're just picking for the jets yeah, I, I think they just they they got to play it the way it's laid out now. Even right. if even if they don't believe those picks are going to be with the Jets, mm-hmm. I still see people saying, "I'll give up two twos. No, but um, 
yeah, they're they're just doing what's on the board right now because anything then it becomes speculative and then it's you know, I mock drafts are hard enough to predict, let alone start, you know, throwing in throwing in trades for teams that, you know, uh that may not that may not move. I mean, I know some teams do trades within their mocks. Right. Um every now and then I do them. But no, I think I think teams are just or I think, you know, the, these these uh the, the mock draft folks are just uh they're just sticking with what's on the board right now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree because it is a very hard trade to try to predict. There's really no precedent for what the package is being, you know, talked about. So it's just, it's hard to pinpoint and you're just throwing darts to try to make a trade work. So yeah, you're better off just sticking and picking, I, I think. And who knows if we end up picking all three picks, that's better for Fantastic. Investment. Fantastic. But I, 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 had like, a, I had a funny thought the other day when somebody was, it? yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah. But I had a fun, I thought the other day how funny it is. Like I see how mad people get about like, at mock draft, like like everyone hates Mel Kiper. He's mm-hmm. so stupid. He's so this. And I'm like, the guy is basically trying to tell the future. Like yeah. that's what he's doing. Yeah. He's how how many other jobs do people get mad at you because you can't tell the future accurately? I mean, you could be whether you could be like ninety. You you could have a guy going to a team, and and maybe they would have taken that guy, but. Somebody fell that they didn't expect, right. so they take somebody else. And they're like, oh, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Like, you know, He might have been right on a bunch of stuff, but exactly. all it takes is Bill Belichick drafting a guard that everyone has rated as a third rounder in the first round, and then everything just goes upside down. And there's there's people there you weren't expecting. And, yep. you know, who, who knows how many people don't have Jalen Carter on their board? Who knows how many – listen, I, I've said with the Jets, imagine imagine you're, you're – let's say you're the Jets. You're sitting there at 13 – and Jalen Carter falls to you, but his agent told him not to do any interviews with anybody outside the top ten. And you're like, damn, like this guy is our top-rated guy right now, but we never got a chance to talk to him. Exactly. And he's got some he's got some serious questions to answer, yep. and we didn't get to ask them. So now, even though we didn't take him off our board for the incident, we're taking him off our board because we didn't get to talk to him. And not now maybe he falls a few yep. more spots. Uh, that I mean, falls uh, right into the Patriots lap at fourteen. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> That'd be a mess. <laughs> I have to have to play that guy twice a year if he if he's motivated. I, and, and I would never want to root against anybody that got drafted, especially you know. And I always like even like guys like Tua, I liked coming out, so I don't root against him. And it's just unfortunate when they don't pan out. But for those three teams specifically, oh, I root against them. Never mad, never mad when they don't pan out, even if I like them. So <laughs> with, with that, we can. Oh, one more question before we get into it. The Jets reported to camp. Um, a lot of players were there. Obviously, one player wasn't there. Packers fans think this is new news and that it's lost leverage for Joe Douglas, which is just amazing how many times Joe Douglas has lost leverage on Twitter. Um, Quinn Williams, not at, at camp. We knew he wasn't going to come to camp. He talked yeah. about it. Um, seeing the deals that have been done, not only at his position, by, but by people represented by agent Nicole Lynn, uh, Jalen Hurts, getting uh, a little over a quarter billion dollars recently. Do you think Quinn and Williams is actually going to be a $100 million player for the Jets? I believe, obviously, the first in history. But uh, Bleacher Report had a report of projected contract, five years, $130 million. So that's 26 per year, and I think it had like 70-something in guarantees. So where do you settle on the Quinn and Williams debate? And are you more confident that Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet or that Quinn and Williams will get paid this offseason? Uh, equally, I, th- I think both are going to happen. Yeah. I, yeah, Quinn I and Williams isn't going anywhere. Um, I think he's going to get his hundred million. Be. No, no, he better not. 
Um, I've actually seen people say trade him for picks. Like, if you're not going to sign that dude, man, what's the point of drafting anybody? Like, just just trade all your picks all the time. Trade everybody. The conversation for picks. died two years ago with Quinn and Williams. Somebody tried to say, should we entertain for like a no, mid second? No. I'm like, absolutely it, not. If you remember when uh, when Joe Douglas came on board, his first draft, I think it was rap sheet, and yep. people knocked him for this. Um, teams came knocking, and they, they were like, they hey, were offering what? multiple ones. Yes, and like, yeah, and I Joe Douglas was like, nope. He knew and what so. He had. So so he so he hang, he hung on to him. Obviously worked out. You know, if if you ever want a good laugh, I, I forget what made me think of this a few weeks ago. Um, go on Twitter and search Quinn and Williams bust, and just scroll the comments of people calling him a bust and what. And I was like, I'm like, oh man, like and listen, we're all wrong sometimes. Sure. Um, but that like so many people bailed on that guy so quick. It, it's it's just uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, let's see. I, Packer fans care less about leverage. The president wants first round value. That's bottom line for Rodgers. Listen, we all want a lot of things in life, you know. Yeah, I want Aaron exactly. Rodgers for a seven, you know, and the Jets don't even have one, so it'll have to be a seven next year. Um, but that ain't happening. So, so Aaron Rodgers uh, for the value of a one, it would shock me. Um, it would be an overpay. But I mean, what are we calling? Do we say a two next year and a two, a two this year and a two next year value is a one like? If you add them up, depending on where they fall, possibly. But they're they're not getting a first rounder. They're not getting both one. They're not getting both twos this year, and uh, the Jets aren't going to make you know pick at thirteen, and they're not picking until the fourth round. Um, so that's not good. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, no, he's not washed up. I was going to um, say I saw all the comments saying he's washed up. I'm like, I don't think that's true either. So yeah. Uh, oh, oh, the Jets don't get him. Breaking news: the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers, uh, according to Mitch. Uh, yeah, they do. Mitch. Leverage. They they get him. Uh, they get Aaron Rodgers in the end, or or the Packers keep him and they pay him a hundred million dollars to not play. Um, and the Jets pivot to somebody like Tannehill, who or you know, Love. yeah, yeah. Tannehill over the last three four years has done exactly what uh, what what Aaron Rodgers has done the last few years. Uh, goes to the playoffs and loses in the playoffs. So I, I if you actually can... only watched last year of Aaron Rodgers. I didn't watch the two years prior, just last year. Yeah, uh, the, no. the, the the stories that have been told about Aaron Rodgers this offseason are just the so people's. silly. It's, like, it's, I mean. Even 26 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, which he had last year with a broken thumb, is like. And no receivers for the first eight or nine games. Exactly. It's so many tiers above what we've seen that, like, it's, okay. you know, we'll accept that. But that's not the Aaron Rodgers we're probably going to get. That's what people don't understand. We're probably going to see somebody who's going to at least look to break the touchdown record, which is 31. It's not that many. Like he had a broken finger and on his throwing hand and threw five less than our franchise record. Like we're going right. to get an Aaron Rodgers that is going to shatter things. So he could be washed, but he's going to be a lot better. And we have the playmakers around him to make him better, which then leads me into my next topic. We're going to get to the mock drafts. I promise at the end of this, um, Alan Lazard pick number 10 really doesn't matter. It kind of made some head waves on Twitter, but another Jets receiver tweeted about his jersey number being changed, and that was always the talk is, oh, this guy needs to go back to this number that he wore at college, and that's Garrett Wilson changing from 17 to 5. And he tweeted, he's staying at 17 this year, but he's switching to 5 next year. So a lot of fans – and that they're so smart. They're so fast with this stuff. Like I didn't even know this was a thing, but players have to like buy out of their jerseys 
if they switch numbers. And with a rebrand of uniforms, players do not have to buy out their jerseys. So therefore, fans kind of are putting two and two together that the Jets are going to get new uniforms in 2024. So this this question is just for you, Glenn. How excited would you be for some brand new Jets uniforms? Maybe they can display five or six players on the front that aren't going to be cut within the next year or two. Um, and, and maybe they'll look better and not say New York across the chest. But Glenn, how, how do you feel about these new uniforms that we're potentially going to get? Um, I don't believe it, and I wouldn't care. Um, <laughs> you know, like I always say, it's like, uh, you know, women always comment on, like, other women's, like, purses and shoes and stuff like that. Right. Um, I, I wouldn't uh, – unless it looks like someone threw up on it, I wouldn't even notice a purse or a pair of shoes because I don't care. Um, as long as they're not wearing paper bags or whatever, um, as long as it's not like an embarrassing arena league, like tiger stripe, uh, uh, pants and all that. Yeah. I I wouldn't care. It just, just don't be atrocious would be all I would care about if they were getting new. Like, don't make them something that even I would laugh at it. Like keep it in the realm of, I don't care, which includes like 99% of things anyone in life wears. I don't care. Yeah, I think the best outcome would be, like, for you at least, would be just put out something that's enough where you don't have to make a comment about it. Because then if you're making a comment about it, it's definitely, like, probably really bad. And I don't think they, like, totally screwed up the last uniforms, but I just, I don't I don't see it. I think they could have done a lot better. And I hope that if this is all true, all this is true, I hope it is, then maybe we'll get some nice-looking uniforms that actually... Only the, like uh, the helmet only looks good in prime time, and the Jets have had the least prime time games in like the last five years. So it's about to change. It sense. It's going to change. Don't get me wrong. But when like, they get Aaron Rodgers, the thing was like, oh, these helmets look so nice in this studio that's dark with the lights on it. When they advertised and they debuted it, and it was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool, but we'll never see an eight thirty game because we're three and twelve. So, <laughs> but we can get to the mock drafts. Um, I have three mock drafts here that I, I took some notes on, just some of the Jets picks. Um, we have Dane Brugler, who did a seven-round mock draft. Like That's just crazy. The amount of time that goes into a seven-round mock draft is probably ridiculous. We have the latest Kuiper slash McShay three-round mock draft. And then we have Peter Schrager's mock draft, who I included in here because I feel like Peter, Peter Schrager is pretty plugged in with a lot of coaches around the league. And although it might not necessarily be – exactly the pick and the player and who's going to what team he's really plugged in on first round and who's probably in and who's probably out. And I think the names on his list and the names not on his first round mock are really intriguing. So I included him here. We'll start with Dame Brugler from the athletic. He has a different offensive tackle, Paris Johnson. Um, Kind of the, the trend has been Broderick Jones. He goes Paris Johnson here. Then in rounds, uh, round two, he has Joe Tittman and Keanu Benton back-to-back. So he just kind of went all beef, all Big Ten players, right? Ohio State, Nebraska, Wisconsin. <laughs> so all Big Ten beef for the Jets. I think Rob Sala and Joe Douglas would be smiling ear-to-ear at press conferences talking about these players. Um, any of these, I, I don't think uh, you've really mentioned too, too much about Keanu Benton. What are your thoughts about him specifically? I mean, he's a force in the middle. You know, if, if they're going to go DT early, I would like Kalijah Canty, but I think he's—I right. think thirteen, maybe. Two. I've seen—I've seen him mocked in that range. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would take him there, but uh, Benton a little bit later on, hell of a player. Uh, I would probably wait till a little bit later to address DT, 
And I would, you know, my focus, for, you know, or at least where I would like the Jets to focus um, early on, O-line, center, linebacker, and even center. Like, I've I've gone back and forth a few times. I see we're about to do all mocks. I can't remember what I did at center. Um, but I know I had one where I waited till later and I took Stromberg, who I think is going to be a starting player in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, draft Stromberg, bring McGovern back and let them battle it out, you know, something like that. I'm sure McGovern is confident enough that he thinks he can beat Stromberg, and if he can, fine. And if not, you're better off. You have a you know a young guy up and coming like Stromberg. So I would I would hold off. Like I said, it'd be tackle, center, linebacker, receiver. Depending on the receiver, I would love Josh Downs in round two if he were on the board. I don't think he'll fall that far though. But at 13 is too early. Um, I'm just a big Josh Downs guy. So we'll see about that. But Benton, you know, he's a guy. I, I would have no issues taking him. I just I would wait till later in the draft to address because really what they need is like a big body sort of run stuffer type. Um, even though you know again, even though that's not Kalijah Kansi's game, but I just think Kansi is so explosive and special. Um, I I yeah. grab him in that spot. But yeah, yeah, I don't have any issue with those picks other than I I probably wouldn't take a DT that early unless it was Kansi. Yeah, and a friend of the pod, Dom C, comes in and says, you can get Dom. through one tech like Benton later in day three, and I agree with him there. There was a couple names. I believe the Jets were just uh, visiting with um, Isaiah Land from Florida A&M. So he's a yeah. defensive tackle type who was at the Senior Bowl. So there's always potential to, to kick the can down the road with defensive tackle for sure. It's just It seems like every player I like is in the range of too early to take at 43, but it's probably not going to be there at 112. So unfortunately that range is there. So it seemed like he was just going to address the defensive tackle need for us right there at the second round spot. Um, Mc, uh, McShay and Kuiper's mock over on ESPN plus they, they basically have this very similar formula. I don't know if the jets are becoming predictable in the draft or if, you know, everybody's just kind of echo chambering the same thought process, but they went all beef with their draft as well. I believe they alternated picks, so it wasn't like one person making all the Jets picks or whatever. They went a different offensive tackle at 13, um, Broderick Jones, really in the same bucket as Paris Johnson. I have them both in my top three. Peter Skaronsky would actually be my number one. Mm -hmm. Broderick and Paris is kind of a coin flip. Then they come back in round two, and they have Joe Tipman, which is exciting because it's now two experts mocking Tipman after we mocked Tipman to them two weeks ago. Maybe they just watched the show. They're coming to us for their info. That's exactly. Let's do it. No better place than right here. So Tipman at 42, and then they go obviously back-to-back picks. Added to me at a at uh, 43. So, again, all beef. Joe Douglas, Rob Sala approved grade A beef. Um, thoughts on the the Adebaware? Because I feel like I, I think it was Rich Samini put out the tweet saying uh, sleeper potential at 13 and, you know, fans kind of, you know, ignored it and was like, it's not really that serious without a Boare, but he's getting a lot of first round back end of first round hype. So yep. get him at 43 could potentially be a steal. How do you feel about uh, Addy Adebaware? Listen, Adebaware is one of my guys. Um, uh, did a draft profile for him on Jet Nation. Um, it's, you know, one of the players we were able to, to, to profile this year and I, just watching him, I forget. Um, I forget how it was several months ago, uh, but he just he just had this monster game um, where he was 
it was Georgia, Ohio State, whoever it was. And he, I mean, he was living in the backfield. And I've, I've mentioned him several times since then because I, I just, I watched it and I thought, how is a guy making these types of plays against this offensive line and no one's talking about him? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of figured, like, he's going to climb draft boards. There's no way he's going to remain a, a guy who's not in the conversation as a first round pick. Um, then I saw, you know, I saw he got the senior bowl invite and I thought, oh, here we go. Um, and you know, since then you steadily, you know, he's steadily climbing the combine four, four, nine at two eighty three or whatever. It's just ridiculous. And it's not, it's not workout warrior stuff. Like the guy was great on the field and then he showed, yeah, he showed in the combine, like the athleticism I would, you know, talk about DTs or D linemen to take a 13. If I'd consider Cansey at 13, like I wouldn't be mad if they took, I think he's got more versatility than Cansey. Um, I think he can play the edge, you know, a little bit better than Cansey can. He's not an ideal edge guy at 283, but he can get the corner. He can, he can, he can stuff the run inside. He's just a really good player, man. If the Jets landed him, I'd be, I'd be pretty pumped. Yeah. So I'm just looking at his um, combine stats right now, and they use um, ex- explosion score, which is um, broad jump, vertical jump, and pre- uh, bench press, and right. it doesn't a- apply to every single position, but. When it comes to defensive linemen, this is like what it focuses on: is their explosion, how how quick are they? So his broad jump was 10, uh, 10 feet five inches, which is I only see a couple here that start with a ten. So that's got to be top five, if not top ten. Thirty-seven and a half inch vertical, which just looking down, I only see one person that's at thirty-seven. So that's probably tops of his class. And how many of them are two eighty plus? Exactly. Then you get into bench reps and it's 27, which is the highest on my board right here. And yeah, you look at the guys that are also doing, you know, see what the guy who jumped 37 inches is. Yaya Diaby. Bless you. Yaya Diaby at 263 pounds. So you're talking about 263 pounds for him and 282 pounds for Adam Bawari. And there, that's the athleticism and explosion that you're seeing is he's just a different type of player. Mm-hmm. I do agree. It's a bit rich at 13. Who knows what happens? I, I We keep pounding the table for trade back, but history shows that it's probably not going to happen. If they trade up from 20, uh, 42 or 43, and I want to get into that before we really dive into our mocks, um, you know, we never know what they're going to do with those second-round picks. Last year, Joe Douglas tried to trade up a, a fourth, for a fourth pick and get Brees Hall, but he waited yep. till 36. So we never know what Joe Douglas is going to do. Um, before we get into it, uh, Peter Schrager – he had Broderick Jones go into the Jets. He only did a first-round mock, but he didn't have any centers going off the board. So, therefore, John Michael Schmitz and Joe Tittman were both available in the second round. So, this is going to lead into my question of knowing we have 42 and 43, the value on the uh, Draft Tech website is 950 points on the chart. That is equivalent to pick 17. Obviously, we don't need to trade all the way up to 17 with both those picks. Would you package two and maybe 143 to come up a couple spots and snag a center that has fallen out of the first round. Do you think that that is adequate value there, or are you just willing to sit tight and and hope that one of them falls to you there at 42 or 43? Uh, Me personally, I would sit and wait. Um, Like there are a couple of guys I like who you could have later in the draft. Um, You know, I've mentioned Juice Scruggs a couple times. I don't know how teams view him. He's, he, you know, isn't isn't a top rated guy. Uh, you know, I mentioned Stromberg already. Stromberg yeah. is probably my favorite. You know, my, my number three guy, um, or at least in, in terms of, I should say he's my favorite guy. You can get on day two, maybe even day three. Okay. Um, yeah. Ricky Stromberg, and I think he can play 
And uh, another guy, you know, we, we said earlier, we'd probably throw out some names that we haven't mentioned earlier, you know, at any point this season. Um, watched a little bit of them the other day. I often comment on, like, some teams are just as harder to find their games than others. Um, yeah. UCLA, like, it's tough to find UCLA games, like many of them. Um, but John Gaines, like, John Gaines, that dude moves really well. Um, one thing I, you know, I, I was somewhat familiar with him. Um, I didn't know until I, like, I watched him the other day and I really liked what I saw. So I started digging in a little bit. He played all five positions at UCLA at one point or another, both mm-hmm. tackle spots, both guard spots, center. So he's got that versatility. His test his testing at the combine was phenomenal. Um, so I'm like, if you can get John Gaines or Ricky Stromberg in round four, I would 100% do that. If it meant not giving up extra picks early on to go up and get uh, John Michael Schmitz or Joe Tippmann. And, and again, I've said it before, you know, you say history tells us the Jets won't trade down. Um, the thing that's going to be interesting this year is is the lack of picks. Like the Jets have done a lot of trading up, but they have the assets yep. to do it. Not the case this year. They have six picks. If they give up one for Rodgers, they got five picks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't see them moving up. And, and you know, really, if, if you give up a two for Rodgers and then you're moving up, you're giving up another two and probably your four. What, are you going to make two picks this year? Three picks? I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and that's why I framed the question like that, because I feel like in a normal draft class or normal year for Joe Douglas when he has eight to 12 picks at his disposal, yeah, you'll see him trade up and potentially even move both twos to come back up, and who knows what he would do. He's really kind of creative with his draft picks, but this year he just has to be super diligent on is he going to move and when is the proper time to move and assessing the value that you can get? Because if you move too far down to try to acquire another pick and that guy that you really were targeting is gone, it's just, it's, it's not even worth picking up that fifth anymore, obviously. So it's going to be really interesting. Like you said, six picks right now, they could enter day two having made a pick trading a pick for Aaron Rodgers, And now all of a sudden you have four picks left and you're only making one on day two as of right now. So the Jets could be sitting and waiting on a lot of these picks if from 43 to 112, from 112 to 143. These are pretty long waits, 143 to 207. That's a far jump. I kind of have a take that I don't think 207 is actually made. I think that's used in some kind of trade somewhere. I don't think they're going to wait. I think all their picks will be like in that 143 and before range. But with that, we can get right into it. Uh, two weeks ago, we did our mock. Uh, our dueling mocks. We're going to do one this week. Um, our final mock 2.0. We're not going to do a third one next week. Uh, we are going to do a show. We're going to just kind of bat around draft names and topics and final predictions for each round and stuff. But to get into the the mock, I'm going to let you go first. Um, I believe we said we didn't make any trades. We didn't uh, agree to not make any trades. You could have, but I just don't think either of us did, right? No, I didn't. Yep. Okay, cool. So you can you can go first then uh, with your your first round. Uh, first rounder, I'm going with Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was on the board. I think his uh, you know, I was a big, I, I am a big Jordan Addison guy. I I've preferred him for you know since early in the year. He was one of my top guys. Him, Josh Downs, um, mm-hmm. Keishon Butte, who obviously whatever the hell happened in LSU, who knows? Um, but he kind of fell off the radar. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba only saw a couple of his games from the previous year. Then he got hurt this year. So he kind of fell off my radar a little bit, uh, started watching him more in recent weeks when, when folks were jumping on that bandwagon and, uh, his ability after the catch, man, his ability to make guys miss, he's so shifty. Um, you know, he doesn't have that four, four speed or whatever, that sub fourth, four speed that everybody loves, but there's more to it than that. If you can make guys miss the way he can, then 
I think you're an, I think he's an asset. I think he's probably the best receiver in this class. And because I feel, I feel like, uh, I feel a little bit more comfortable with the round two tackles after watching them. You know, I've spent the last 48 hours. Um, you know, I mean, I've watched, I've watched these guys pre prior to yesterday. Um, you know, the, the round two types, but I really dug in the last 48 hours and I've been watching a ton of, uh, of football and those guys. And I feel a little bit better after watching some of them. So JSN is my guy at 13. Yeah, I certainly think it's not being talked about enough. I know obviously offensive tackle, when you look at this year could be considered a need. And especially when you look at 2024, it is definitely going to be a need with the future of Dwayne Brown in question. So you can obviously look to offensive tackle being the easy, safe pick, but that's not to say the board's going to fall the right way. And I'm not exactly sure how many offensive tackles there were on your board, but the Jets could very well say, hey, no, we're going to take an explosive weapon who plays a, a role that we currently don't have. I know Nicole Hardman is a slot gadget type player, but I think he's more suited for that wide receiver four. Like if you're looking at the Jets roster past, like maybe that Braxton Berrios type of role, but accelerated a little bit. So therefore you need a true slot player for when you get into 11 personnel. Jackson Smith and Jigba is that true slot player. Let's Garrett Wilson, Al Lazar, Cook on the outside. Jackson Smith and Jigba is super shifty. I talked about this, I believe, on Green Beans podcast, but his uh, agility drills were just stupid good. for Best, for of, the, compared, best of the combine. Yeah, by far, best of the combine. So he had, in his three-cone drill, his uh, 6.57 the next highest was 6.85, so almost three-tenths of a second faster than the next guy. Mm -hmm. And then when it goes to the short shuttle, 3.93, sub four-second three-cone, or short shuttle, the next is 4.12. Just stupid yeah. fast and stupid, yep. stupid shifty. And he doesn't need that take-the-top-off vertical speed 60 yards down no, the field type no. of burners. He doesn't need that type of – he didn't run a 40. open make guys team. miss. Exactly. Nobody can put the, the number on his 40 to say his straight line speed is fast or slow. But anybody that watched Jackson Smith and Jigba's 2021 tape, obviously you can just throw 2022 out the window. But 2021 tape and doesn't say, hey, that's a first round player or at least worthy of consideration for the first wide receiver off the board. I think it's wrong. He's not my number one. Jordan Addison hasn't beat by like a smidge like they're pulling teeth, you know, trying to find their, you know, splitting hairs. Splitting hairs. But, yeah. Yeah. Splitting hairs, not pulling teeth, <laughs> splitting hairs. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't be mad. I couldn't be mad because I think he fills the role. He's a bit bigger than uh, Addison. Addison's 173 and. Jackson Smith and Jigba's 196. So we're talking about 20 pounds of muscle, which is good for when you're going over the middle and taking on big hits and, and defenders like linebackers and safeties. So I love the pick there. And it also kind of gives the uh, Packers an old uh, gut shot because we saw Jordan Love lo liking all the pictures of Jackson Smith and Jigba on Instagram. So uh, we can just uh, steal him right from the Packers. And, and you right. know, and another thing that, that doesn't get talked about enough is that, and I understand, you know, I'm I'm the one who won't shut up about how this is likely a one-year rental. Um, but the Jets, in all reality, you know, th this is them going all in, going for Aaron Rodgers, knowing he might only be here for one year. This You're trying to win a Super Bowl, right? So we all know, we've all watched Aaron Rodgers. When Aaron Rodgers is on, the ball is out in like a second. Fast and if you have play, a yeah. if you have a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba and another guy like Garrett Wilson, these guys who can create that instant separation, they're not going to need to be great at OT. Like you still want a really good player there, 
but it's not going to be like years past where you have a, uh, an inferior or a, a, a quarterback who just doesn't know what they're doing and is going to need that extra second, second and a half yeah. because they're needing, they need that long through. He knows the offense. He's got a quick trigger and you can, you'll be able to get by with, with average tackle play. If you have Jackson Smith and Jigba and whoever you, you know, and, and Garrett Wilson and whoever blocking up front because the ball's coming out in a second, you know, a second, second and a half max. Yeah. Exactly. The offensive line's job is just going to be that much easier. And I know certain Packers fans would probably say, well, Aaron Rodgers doesn't like to throw to rookie inexperienced receivers. Well, if we look at Ohio State under Brian Hartline's tutelage as wide receiver coach, now offensive coordinator, which I believe he just suffered an ATV accident and he's in the hospital. So I hope that he gets better soon. I I believe it's non-life threatening, but it was pretty serious conditions. Um, His what he has instilled in those wide receivers year after year is just incredible. Those guys are not of a rookie mindset when they come into the NFL. They hit the ground running. We saw that. Garrett Wilson was the offensive rookie of the year. Chris Olave got hurt and played 12 or 13 games, but he had over a thousand yards himself. There's just no way that, you know, I know it's it's a rookie, but it's an Ohio State rookie. So it kind of gives them the the learning curve is already kind of hurdled in a sense and i think jackson smith and jake you just you, you expect them to adapt that much quicker exactly i mean for, for all intents and purposes I, I know olave wasn't named as a rookie of the year finalist but he should have been he and Bree should have been over brock purdy in my opinion right but yeah. but I, i'm just talking about you have the two receivers who should have been were both yeah. out of ohio state exactly. um and they both said that that jsn is better than they are Exactly. And then you have him and then you still look at the 2024 class. We've talked about Marvin Harrison Jr. He's just going to be silly. So, like, he's probably the best of the four. We'll have that to see. He's just better not end up in the AFC East, man. I don't. Oh, that, unless that. it's with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's just silly how how good he can actually be. <clears throat> yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll get we'll get a we'll get rolling with some of these picks. But no, I think that was a good one. And it opens the door because offensive tackle isn't a lock for 13. So I'm glad that you took JSN. Other positions should be in the conversation like edge, maybe even safety if they really love Brian Branch. I don't think so, but it's it's not just offensive tackle and keep it pushing. However, on my mock draft, I went offensive tackle and kept it pushing. I went with the easiest pick uh, I think I could have made here. My mock draft didn't have Peter Skaronski or Paris Johnson. And as much as I do love Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba and would take them there, I decided I was just going to go with Broderick Jones from Georgia I've heard now two separate player uh, people, excuse me, Ben Fennel from CBS and NFL Network, and then Connor Rogers of PFF and uh, NBC, both compare Broderick Jones to DeBrickashaw Ferguson. And if I didn't watch his tape, you know, that'd almost be enough for me right there. But then when mm-hmm. you dig into his tape, I know he's only a one-year starter at Georgia, 13 games, all at left tackle. I just, I, I see flaws like in his technique and things of that nature but I feel like everything about this guy from an upside perspective is exactly what the jets need. I've, I've said it on this, on the show. I feel confident in the offensive tackle position for this season. You know, as far as Dwayne Brown's health, I think he'll be better now that he's playing with two arms. I think Mekhi Becton, if he keeps taking these mirror selfies is going to get everybody on the bandwagon to start losing some weight. He's just looking phenomenal. So I think the two of them, if they play to what we expect, 
yes, you look at the 2024 offensive tackle room and say this is where Broderick Jones will slot in. He can be the best swing tackle potentially, top five swing tackle in his rookie season with the Jets, or he could win one of the spots. You never know. But at worst, he's the swing tackle for 2023. Dwayne Brown retires after 2023. He plugs in right there at left tackle. So I just think it's a best of both worlds. There was an article that was put out about looking at your depth chart the year in advance. And I think that's what I'm going to do with this pick. Take the offensive tackle in Broderick Jones. They've met with him privately. They also just met with Paris Johnson on the last day to meet with prospects. I thought that was interesting. But Mm -hmm. of the top guys, it's just Broderick, Paris, and Anton Harrison. So I went with the guy that I would – that that is being comp to a Jets legend and Debrickishaw Ferguson. So let's let's remake this 2006 draft class and take Broderick Jones at 13. All right. So now you're up with the second round. Uh, you can just go both, and then I'll go both with mine. Sure. Um, I already made. You know, I I think I made it pretty clear earlier. I was going to use one of those twos on a second round tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm going with Blake Freeland at a BYU. Um, like I said, watched a lot of the round two guys today the projected round two guys today and yesterday. Um, Freeland, to me, uh, I mean, we, we saw it in the combine numbers. Again, another athletic freak, uh, you know, quick out of his stance, does a really nice job, good all-around guy. He's not a, you know, some of these second-round guys, like they look good against the pass, but not but not against – or they look good in pass pro, but not, not run blocking and vice versa. So I think that um, – so I think he's a guy that I would look at, especially, um, you know, versatility because we've, we've talked about – the injuries this team suffered a tackle last year. Um, if that were to happen again, Freeland played left tackle his first two years, or sorry, right tackle his first two years, played left tackle the last two years, um, only gave up a couple of sacks, you know, uh, playing right tackle, and obviously did a really nice job this year on the left side. And BYU, you know, they, they were happy to use him pulling as a lead blocker. Um, just does a, just does a lot of things well, and I think is a round two guy. He, you know, he'll start. And I think that uh, I think by by doing that, by going JSN first, and then Freeland, you're shoring up the O line, but you're you're adding another weapon for Aaron Rodgers. And then uh, with my third pick, with uh, 43, I, I had to do it. I had to take Dan Henley. I, I I did a couple mocks where I didn't take him, and I went with JMS, and I went with these guys, and I'm like, I'm I'm the, I just Doesn't watched Dan right. Henley, and I'm just, what I'm what I'm hanging my hat on here is that. The Jets had him in, and they don't have a three, and I know they're not getting him in round four. Um, so they're at least thinking about him in round two. You know, they could be thinking trade down and add a three. Who knows? But with what they have right now, um, I got Dan Henley's got to be on. He's got to be on the Jets next year. I'm gonna be very unhappy. Yeah, I know we uh, we joked about it offline a little bit, but we've said his name way too many times that if he's not good, I don't know. I was I promised a couple weeks ago I wouldn't say his name anymore, but I just took him in a mock. I can't not say his name. Exactly. And I feel like, like you said, you do the mock and you're sitting there in the second round and you know that you're not trading back and you're not going to see his name up there at 112 when you pick again. So it's either you take him at 43 or you start looking at other options at linebacker. And when I get into my second, my two picks, I kind of went another route at linebacker. I know the the market for Quan Alexander seems to have dried up and he has not signed with the team yet. I'm praying that the Jets make it happen bring him back on a deal. I don't care how big or small the deal. It's probably going to be one year anyway. So just get it done with Quan. get him back in the fold. Salah wanted 90% of his defense back. He mentioned in the press conferences after the year, we've already lost Sheldon Rankins and Nathan Shepard. So, you know, we're we're pretty much down to 90% if you bring Quan back. So that sounds good with me. 
So for my two second round picks, I went one offense, one defense. This one uh, has to do with Schrager's mock, excuse me. He didn't have any centers falling or going in the first round. Both of them fell into round two, Tittman and John Michael Schmitz, the two I'm talking about. So at 42 in this mock, and I used PFN's mock on this one, I, I'm not saying I used the board, but I know that John Michael Schmitz is not ranked high on their board. I don't know if they're just knowing something that everybody else doesn't. They have him in like the 60s, though, so that just seems pretty low. I think he's probably kind of cooled off as a first-round prospect, although I'd be comfortable taking him at any of the first-round spots past like 20. So he was there at 42. I think this is a good spot. Maybe you trade up a couple picks into this round with one of your five or sixes. But John Michael Schmitz is my guy. They've met with him four times, combine, private workout, private meeting, and a pro day. I just, last year, when you look at it, Kayvon Thibodeau was the guy that they met with the most. They ended up not even drafting him when he was on the board for their pick. That's not to say that this is a smokescreen. I believe AVT was the guy the year prior. So they're just kind of, you know, hinting they could really like the guy or they could just be passing on the guy completely and just need more exposure. John Michael Schmitz feels like the guy that there's, they're going to take. Like, if they have a chance to, they're going to take him. He's my center one. It's, like you said, it's kind of close between him and Tittman. I know Tittman's your guy. 2,500 snaps at center. I think it's 2,493 on PFN. And it's just a lot of zone experience. And he's rarely ever on the ground, which is one of the biggest things that people look for when they're looking at offensive linemen. There was a play against Michigan on an explosive run. He had a great reach and drive block on this guy. Just drove him completely out of the frame. From the center position, is pretty hard. Like tackles you would expect to get out of the frame because they're already outside. He took them. It didn't matter. So John Michael Schmitz, we know enough about him. I can kind of skip through there. But I think when there's smoke, there's fire with him and the four meetings with the Jets. So at pick 43, I went defense, opted not for Dayon Henley, and I took B.J. Ojolari, edge for LSU, another guy that the Jets met with privately in the past couple of weeks, 6'2", 248. So I feel like he fits the size profile more of a Bryce Huff. I still even think Bryce Huff is taller and a bit more heavy, like 8 to 10 pounds heavier than him. So he played a lot of stand-up uh, at LSU, even dropped back into coverage some, which I don't think he'll do at the next level. Here he is, excuse me, chasing down the quarterback against Auburn. And you see it right there. Uh, the video's paused, but number 18, that's a huge thing for LSU. Um, a couple years ago, I fell in love with Caleb uh, Von Chason, whose name has kind of you know disappeared into the NFL world with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they give 18 out to high character players only at LSU. It's representative of a former player, I believe, that played there that wore the number. So not many people get to wear 18, and they really choose who wears 18. So it was him. He's explosive off the snap, great flex around the outside. He's strong versus the pass and the run, although he did give up a couple tackles here and there, which is to be expected. Um, he did a lot of stand-up work in college, so I'm interested to see if the Jets will put him more hand in the dirt or more like situational pass rushing, like a higher upside Bryce Huff, so to speak. So I'm interested in B.J. Ojolari. I loved his brother Aziz, who now plays for the Giants. So really interested in Ojolari. They met with him privately, like I said, so – just kind of sticking with the theme of players I've watched and that the Jets have met with already. And BJ Ojolari is my pick. All right. Uh, my next guy, again, another guy that I've already mentioned um, a couple times. And as part of the reason why I didn't, why I didn't take uh, a center earlier on Ricky Stromberg, 
out of Arkansas, did a really nice job. Um, had you know had, had some dominant moments run, as a run blocker, as a pass blocker. Uh, you see him right here, just completely manhandle that D lineman, take him out of the running back's way. Uh, again, he's he's the center on this play. Steps up strong. I don't think there's a wrestling background, but I watch him, and that's kind of that's the feeling I get. Again, team here at center takes the nose, takes him completely out of the play, opens up yep. the hole up the middle. Um, again, he's a guy who I've seen a fair number of people say that they they see him as a as a guy with starter potential. Um, I agree with that. Like I said, I think it was week one that they played uh, Cincinnati and commented once or twice. I, th- I think he was the guy I may have mentioned this. It was it was funny. You and I mentioned throughout the year um, how many times the senior bowl folks would tweet about a guy we just talked about. And mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Jim Nagy tweeted about Ricky Stromberg. I think I was either actively like watching the game but had it paused for something or I had watched it like the day before and was editing the clips. But I knew I was working on Ricky Stromberg when the senior bowl folks tweeted out that he was going to be an invite. And um, I just I really like his game and I think you can get him to start and you can get him a little bit later on. Yeah, Stromberg somebody that I haven't done the deep dive on, but I've watched enough of that. Yeah, I'm full. I kind of put him in that bucket with um, Victor Aluatimi from Michigan, kind of that fourth round range. If he's there on early day three, that's great. And I think that they're on the fringe of plug and play where you're probably going to have to draft one, sign one. Maybe it is a Ben Jones or you bring back Connor McGovern and then you still draft that guy. Maybe they compete in camp and the rookie ends up winning it. But Worst case scenario is you have the pipeline filled for center. Uh, I'm not sure if he has any guard um, experience, but if he could do a little bit of guard stuff in the meantime, that only helps his case for sticking on the roster. So with that, my fourth round pick, sticking on the offensive line, I went Tyler Steen. Um, He played offensive tackle for Alabama, left tackle. I actually just watched his tape most recently, him, and I'm going to get into Emil Echior, their uh, right guard. I'm going to get into him tonight. But Tyler Steen, I think I've heard enough times that uh, he was going to transition more to the inside at the guard position, but he did play left tackle for Alabama. He played three seasons at Vanderbilt. You'll see him there, number 54. Um, So he played three seasons at Vanderbilt, and then he transitioned to Alabama, immediately won the left tackle position. So four seasons of tackle experience. Um, he's a good mover in space like you're seeing on this clip. He had the sixth fastest short shuttle of the offensive lineman at the combine. Um, and with the the move to guard, I kind of just wrote down good strength and mid length, which I feel like is the recipe to be moved inside to a guard. If you can play really strong, but you don't necessarily have the length on the outside consistently, I feel like that kind of works into being a guard. So I think Tyler Steen would be that type of player Probably he could compete to be a starter, but we have our guard situation locked down with Lakin and ABT as far as 2023 is concerned. But that's not to say an injury away from putting him in and going. Um, Now, if they wanted to try him out at tackle, maybe they do and just see what happens. I don't think that that's necessarily the spot for him, but they did meet with him privately. So I wonder just exactly what they did talk about in those meetings, because I think his versatility is what's going to get him drafted higher than uh, I, I even think he could be gone on day two. So, All right. Uh, one thing you and I talked about pre-show, uh, Dylan, and I, I think um, I think we were both guilty this draft season of not really discussing the possibility, not discussing enough the possibility 
of the Jets taking an edge rusher. I know it's not that it's not the desperate need. It's been in years past <clears throat> because you've got Lawson, you've got Huff, you've got Clemens, you've got Jermaine Johnson. But um, really, it's one of those positions can never have enough. And I think that um, I think they want to. I think they sh- should consider a guy. Um, I went with Isaiah McGuire here. You see him here. Okay. Um, uh, Isaiah McGuire out of, out of Missouri, backside pursuit here, and a guy who could add and, and, and beef up, again, beef up that edge because it's a position where you're only ever a player or two away from have, from going from having a decent pass rush to having no pass rush. Carl Lawson has the injury history. Who knows, again, like as you've talked about earlier, um, you know, looking looking at the future when you're taking some of these guys, you know, is Lawson a guy who's going to be around for multiple years? So I think that it's something I've de- I've definitely not talked about it enough this year, which is funny because most years – it's like a top two or three need that we constantly discuss. And now here we are in a season where there's a lot of depth there. And I haven't talked about it hardly at all. Um, and I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, it'd be pretty stupid to rule this out. You know, it's not, not to go back to the round one prospects, but I was thinking, you know, and not, and I'm not saying he's the same player, but um, I was listening to one of the, it might've been move the sticks. I forget who it was um, last week. And somebody talked about, and I think they just meant measurables. Mm-hmm. They weren't saying he was the same player, but they were saying like Lucas Van Ness is like Bosa like he's almost a Bosa brother. And I'm thinking, well, if you're Robert Sala and you know what it's like to have a Bosa brother and what that can do for your defense, like is he a guy that should be getting some conversation at 13? Um, right. If we're saying you take Cansey, if you think if you think he's that good, but you know Edge, no matter what, should be in the conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, and take one there with McGuire. Yeah, I, I felt like. And we didn't even plan for this, but as soon as you mentioned that, I was like, well, I'm really glad that I took one with my premium picks because although I don't necessarily think it's the likely <clears throat> option at 13, I think with those back-to-back picks, you're going to have to address this room. I mean, they want eight to 10 guys on that defensive line that are going to rotate. We've heard it at nauseum, 30, 40 snaps a game is what they want to cap everybody out at. So they're mm-hmm. going to need bodies. And it is funny how after a couple of years of, banging the table for edge position it's like we get a couple and we feel okay and it's just tumbleweeds around the position but i think it's it's certainly important to bring up and i'm glad that you you took one i'm glad i took one because it's a conversation that needs to be talked about more all right my my fifth round pick here somebody i'd mocked in um our, our prior mock two weeks ago but i think when you look at Nathaniel Hackett's style of offense, it kind of tends to lean in the direction of let's go get a taller receiver instead of a smaller receiver. Obviously um, we don't know what the future of Denzel Mims or really Corey Davis is on this team. So outside of the three Wilson Lazard and Hardman, you don't really have a solid guy. So I thought this would be the spot Bryce Ford Wheaton, West Virginia wide receiver, you mentioned it. You don't want like the measurables to get in the way of like this player is this player based off measurables, but he really is identical to Denzel Mims from a measurable perspective. I think what they did at college is similar to like Mims in the contested down the field catch type of stuff. I just feel like with Bryce Ford Wheaton, it's it's taking a chance on the devil you don't know as opposed to the devil you know in Denzel Mims. Obviously, it doesn't seem like they're in any rush to put Mims on the field, so you might as well just part ways with him, and who knows, you could pick up a fifth-round pick that you could then use for Bryce Ford Wheaton. So I, I just kind of threw him in there because I wanted to go over the exercise of the, the Jets taking a wide receiver with more height 
as opposed to a wide receiver in the top of the rounds that is a smaller, shiftier type, which seems like this entire draft is filled with. I don't know if you saw the, the I think it was a meme. Somebody posted a bunch of garden gnomes and they were all really small. And then there's one big garden gnome and somebody's like, the, the 2023 wide receiver class, the tall one is Quentin Johnston. And I'm like, you know, it's actually really true. Everybody is like sub six foot, small, shifty, not really, you know, what the Broncos had last year in their wide receiver room. When you look at Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy was their slot player and he's a pretty big slot player as it is. I know they have KJ Hamler, but he's kind of the gadget guy. So, so Bryce Ford Wheaton, it is a, a double up, so to speak, in my mocks, but I had to get him in because I think the Jets might covet height as opposed to small shifty at the wide receiver position. All right. Uh, can't say this. We, we, I think we both mocked him to the Jets in our last one. Um, he's yes. a guy I've liked since last year. Um, actually looking at a couple of other guys, probably do an article, maybe write it tonight. Um, there were two or three guys. I won't even mention the names, but you know, I'm only mentioning this because you we're talking about how there aren't a lot of big guys in this class. There are two or three guys who were like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, didn't put up huge numbers this year, but were really good last year. Um, one coming back from injury. Um, the other, I don't know if there was injury or if it was the offense that kind of faltered, but there are some guys who maybe if they performed this year the way they did last, they'd be in the conversation, but they've kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit, and now I see them projected as sort of day three guys. But uh, more on that. But uh, my my final pick, you know, we talked about the reps on the D-line and keeping guys fresh. Um, I talked about how I would take a DT early but didn't. So in this mock, I'm taking one late. I'm taking uh, Nestle Jade Silvera out of Arizona. Um, see him here um, up front, big-bodied guy. And uh, Sowell, Kyle Sowell, he's a guy we haven't talked about who really we should. His RAS was through the roof. I think he was 9-plus. Um, but he's not the pick here. So, but you see, Silvera just absolutely oh, yeah. bulldozes that 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 pocket collapses when Silvera comes in there, and that frees up Soel to make the play. Look, just drives guys back into the. I mean, he gets a piece of three guys there. He yeah, drives exactly. the guard back into the back. I mean, and he's he a guy. I think guys he, to the ground with him. Yep. Yeah, and uh, that's the kind of guy Nesta Jade Silvera is. He's just he's one of those guys that if he played twenty years ago, he'd probably be a second or third round pick. But with the devaluation of the position, he's a guy who you probably get on day three. Um, I heard Eric Galco rave about him. He was in the uh, with the East West Shrine Shrine Bowl, I believe, and he's a guy that, again, you, you got to stay fresh up front. You mentioned they lost Rankins, they lost um, they lost Nathan Shepard, so you're going to want to beef up. I know they added some guys as well, but I think you want to get young there, stay fresh, and I would go with Silvera. And uh, I'm going to go back and watch them so well, man. We, we're going to touch on a few names of guys that. You know, I've, I've said throughout the year, Dylan, that, you know, mm -hmm. there's guys that we watched last year that you just kind of forget about because they're not the, the hot name and the fresh name yeah. anymore. And they yep. whatever they and then I was watching so all the other night. I'm like, I really liked him last year. And I mean, he's, I don't see even see him. He's another guy that it, it projected undrafted guy, but his measurables are fantastic. And I think he's a good player. Yeah, certainly. I mean, when you get into that range, it's. It's, it's kind of just more flavor anyway, but I think yeah. Nestle J. Cervera, he was a senior bowl guy, so that is going to play a factor. I know not every single player that goes to the senior bowl gets drafted highly, but Jim Nagy always puts out the tweet about X amount of top 100 picks were senior bowl guys. And it's usually like, you know, 40, 50, you know, senior bowl guys. So it definitely is going to help him get drafted because maybe there is a potential that he is uh, a UDFA. And we're going to get into a couple of those names. My last guy here, I, I'll be honest, I haven't been able to get, you know, any games, like eyes on any of his games, but 
knowing that he met with the Jets, I had to throw him in here as my my last pick. Um, like like you, I don't I can't I don't know the the 250th player on the board. I don't I don't I mean at this point this year, I'm lucky if I know the 175th player this year because I've tried to focus on the top 50 where a lot of our picks are going to be spent. But I took Dwayne McBride from UAB, a three year player. Um, last year he had. 1,713 yards and 19 touchdowns, which is just absolutely silly. But then you look at the year before that, he had 1,371 yards with 13 touchdowns. So now you're talking about a player who's scoring at the rate of like an Austin Eckler, but he's only doing it on the ground. So he doesn't have any. The contact balance is fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to say he has zero um, value in the passing game. Maybe UAB just doesn't throw to their backs. But when you look at the fact that he has five career receptions out of the backfield, it makes you wonder on just exactly what he can do. But just like you said, his contact balance, his vision is he's good. Obviously, he's day three good. I'm not going to say he's this, you know, crazy all B. John Robinson type of, you know, tier, but exactly right there. That's the type of stuff you see. And when I watched his highlights, that's a lot of what I saw was just maintaining balance. <clears throat> Obviously, this is against Liberty. So the quality of opponent is not great, which is why he's a day three guy. But if the Jets stick and pick at 207, this is a guy they've met with 36 total career touchdowns in college. I don't know. I don't see how you can not take a guy this productive. And with the main traits you look at in a running back, he checks off those boxes. So I don't see how he isn't worthy of a flyer. And like I said, they met with him. So had to take him. If, if I'm, if they met with him, I was going to bump them up the board. So when he was there, I did reach over other running backs um, that I do like. And I took him because I feel like if I'm being predictive while also being realistic, somebody they met with is most likely going to be the pick. So Dwayne McBride, um, that rounds out the mock drafts. I know we're going to talk a little bit about UDFAs. I'm going to let you go. And then I'll give a couple of my names and, and we can close this one out. Sure, sure. Um, a guy, you know, like I said, I mentioned players that I who I liked last year <clears throat> who just kind of get lost in the shuffle because you're you're trying to watch a million guys. But um Penn State DT PJ Mustafer. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I felt like he was a guy who's getting a lot of love last year, and then all of a sudden, you know, this year comes along and he's uh all of a sudden he's he's a, a day three. UDFA type who, again, keeping keeping an eye on where the Jets can get uh, a valuable player uh, to do what they need. Again, take up those reps up front, keep guys fresh, and still be a productive player. I think that Mustafer is a guy who can do that. Um, I mentioned Soel, the linebacker um, out, of, uh, out of Arizona. I think he's another guy who, who you look at, again, day three guy, if not later, there, I mean, when, when you look at some of these mocks, this, this is the problem, is that you're you're looking at these projections that have guys. This is Mustafer uh, beating a double team, I believe, up front. Um, but you get you get these projections that it's all you have to go off of. But it's like, how in the world do you know? And, and you don't, obviously. But some of these guys they have going undrafted. I'm a guy that I have mentioned, Jeremy Banks, linebacker out of Tennessee. Love his all around game. Um, not afraid to stick his face in the fan, as we like to say. Will will you know downhill guy, good against the run, pretty solid against the pass. I have seen a couple of mocks that have him going actually of late. Um, I was able to find one or two seven rounders um, where he went in sort of the seventh round. So maybe he does go, but if not, Jeremy Banks is a guy that I really like, 
And uh, if you got a couple you want to throw up there, Dylan, I'm going to pull a couple more of these names. Yeah, sure. I have a couple. Um, for this, I kind of just used Dwayne Brugler's seven-round mock. And even if they were a seventh-round pick, I kind of used them in the exercise because I, it only takes one team for any of these guys. So we could just be talking at, at nothing with these UDFA guys. But a couple names, um, Braden Willis, tight end Oklahoma. When yes. I saw him at the Senior Bowl, they used him almost exactly like I thought the Jets were going to use Jeremy Ruckert this uh, past season. And so when you look at those things, I felt like from a Jets perspective, he fits what you want to do. He could be a little redundant to the Jets room at this point. I don't know if he gives you the explosiveness that Rich Samini has said that they are reportedly trying to add. But I felt like everything that he did from a versatility standpoint was a, was worthy of, you know, looking at through a Jets lens. There he is taking out a blocker as the sniffer. That up front, look, look at him blow this guy up. Just take him right out of the play. Boom. Yeah, that guy thought he had the easiest tackle, and then yep. no, Braden Willis came and said, yeah. never mind, this is going to be six our way. He's, so, a, he's a violent blocker. Yeah, and, and they have two other good tackles, so it's really fun to watch You know, hit, uh, him, Wanya Morris, and uh, Anton Harrison, all just the three of them blocking together, working together. I like that a lot. Uh, Trey Tucker, this is a, guy, a wide receiver slash kicker turner from Cincinnati. We've talked about it on the pod, but – He's kind of in that six to seven range, and you know maybe he is hyped up enough where he does get actually picked. So he was the first one that I was going to leave off my list, but I felt like the Jets are eyeing returners. They're kind of just looking at running backs and wide receivers that have the return experience because they're lacking it. I know they have Miko Hardman um, in-house now, but that's not to say that he's going to be your long-term kick return specialist or that they even want him to be their kick return specialist. So Trey Tucker's another guy. And then two guys from the same school. Um, I believe they met with Joey Fisher already from Shepard, but him and Tyson Bajan. I think they met with him today. Oh, okay. So Um, it was today. Yeah. Okay. I knew it was coming up or they recently. Yeah. Yeah. So I know Tyson Bajan was at the senior bowl and he got a lot of hype. His dad (laughs) arm wrestling, one of the media guys on the field there was funny, but I don't know if he's going to get drafted at the end of the day. And I'm not for drafting a quarterback at this point because of how many draft picks we don't have. I'd rather just use them. Like I I took one defensive player out of my six and everybody else was offense. So this shows you what I think the Jets should do. Load up around Aaron Rodgers, give him the weapons to go make a run. So Tyson Bajan as a UDFA quarterback, that's the range that I would look to acquire a quarterback at this point. I know Tim Boyle's in-house, Chris Strebler, they're kind of crappy players, but you're going to need another quarterback down the road at this point. So that was my guy. And then here's one that I'll I'll throw back to you, Jalen Cropper from Fresno State. Do you think he's a draft-worthy player? Do you think he's probably fringe, maybe could be a UDFA priority? Me personally, I I absolutely would draft him. Um, Really good route runner, excellent hands, made big plays in big spots. I would would take – Jalen Moreno Cropper in a heartbeat. I know that he's not a he's not a, a sexy name. He's not a well known guy, but uh, for those anyone who watched enough Fresno State would see that uh, Jalen Moreno Cropper absolutely mm-hmm. worth taking. Um, I think I took him in a, in a mock a while back, but it, it's just tough. It's again, it's it's all how everything falls, right? I mean, right. It, if a guy like that is there and you haven't taken a receiver yet and you're in round five or six, I would take. I'm going to try to find one of his plays here. Um, he's actually. You know, we've talked about uh, we've talked about what a what a big fan I am of uh, one second Cropper. 
Gonna bring him up. Here we go. This is a, a TD catch up the seam against Oregon. Good hands, smooth routes. Yeah. He's another guy I think I first became aware of um, from uh, Jim Nagy last year. Said, here's a player we'll be watching next season. Um, Jake Hayner, that's, and that's how I started watching Jake Hayner, was right. from watching Cropper. And uh, both draftable players, you know, day three guys, but I would absolutely take him. Yeah, I, I figured as much. And like I said at the top, I feel like any UDFA player has the chance of being drafted, obviously, because, like I said, it only takes one team. So it's just more names thrown into the into the mix here. I also thought Makai Blackman was another day three slash UDFA name, the cornerback from USC. Um, I, I've talked about him because my tweet went viral with him versus Jaden Reed at the Senior Bowl. But I think Makai Blackman does a good job. He's an outside corner that could probably give you um, special teams ability. Uh, I think when you're looking at depth players like this, you have to be looking at uh, special teams ability as well, because this is probably how he's going to make the roster to begin with. And that's why I'm interested tonight. Um, after I finish watching the Alabama offensive lineman, I'm going to turn on any Kentucky defensive back tape I can to watch Carrington Valentine, because I'm looking at his stats or his measurables from the combine. And I think he could potentially be one of those UDFA types that is a core special teamer for years to come. So um, any, any final thoughts? That was our, our entire mock draft and a little bit of UDFAs. Um, any, anything that you wanted to add before we, we get out of here? Um, I just wanted to throw in uh, one more one more undrafted type. And, again, he's, he's one of those guys that um, it surprises me that we're not hearing his name at all. I've actually only – what was it? I'd kind of forgotten about him for a little bit. Um, and then in going through uh, Emory Hunt's draft guide and looking at his backs – and I saw the name, and I thought, oh, man, I haven't talked about him this year. Um, Xavier Valade, another Arizona guy. Um, you know, runs a little bit upright, but he's a taller guy, really good speed. He's able to get outside and get the edge. And he's a, I think he's a sub-4-4 four, four guy. I mean, he certainly looks like it um, when you, watch him, get, when you get, watch him get to the outside. Not afraid to run up the middle, but a guy who would uh, – a guy if you can get him as a – you know, save yourself a draft pick, not, not use a pick on a back – and draft this guy. Let me skip this back here. Sorry. Here he is again. Bounces outside, and uh, it's against Oklahoma State. And just get you know shoestring tackle prevents a long touchdown run. So yeah. validates a guy that I would like. And um, we'll see, man. There, it's uh, draft finally getting close enough. We're under ten days, I think. Right? Aren't we? Yeah. Eight eight days. Yep. So yeah. so next week uh, we could do a show Thursday. Or we could do it Wednesday. It's up to you. But, yeah, we'll have one more show, and then it's already the draft time, and we'll be coming on. I think our plan is to try to do some kind of short recap video with first round. We'll try to group second and third round if they make picks in the third, and then day three we'll just do as a separate video. But we're definitely going to try to pump out the the amount of uh, content that we have leading up and into the draft. Obviously, we're going to do breakdowns of most of the players. Like you said, you're going to want to have highlights of all the players drafted by the Jets. I'm going to try to do a short YouTube breakdown where you can join me for at least the premium picks, the top, you know, three round guys. I want to do, you know, break down a couple games and go over a lot of their plays to really give a, a glimpse of what the Jets could be getting both good and bad, because I think, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about the good, but then when they get in, into house and start, you know, they become a jet, it's good to talk about the things that could slow them down because not every prospect is going to be perfect. 
Not everybody's going to hit the ground running. There's going to be bumps in the road. So it's going to be interesting. But until then, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. Glenn is at AceFan23. Follow his draft account that we alluded to. Um, putting out tons of videos, tons of content at Jets Picks, at Jets P-I-C-K-S. You can I'm going to be me. active on draft day. I'm going to try to put out a, a, a clip for every player that's taken that I that I have picks. Yep, and I'm going to put notifications on that account so I can just retweet everything out because as the picks come in, that's it's going to be perfect. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DTerriman. You can follow um, Jet Nation on all social media sites, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're everywhere. Get into the forums. Please check out the forums. It's free to sign up. There's tons of – you can follow down so many rabbit holes. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Draft, Aaron Rodgers, Zach Wilson, if you really want to get into that one. You can fall down any rabbit hole you want. So the forums is a great place to check out. And until next time, let's go Jets. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.